Welcome into the Lombardi line. I am Brady Cannon along with Wes Reynolds live from the tip of the strip at the beautiful South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. And we will get to the week one of the NFL schedule that came out this morning here momentarily. But Wes, we've got early baseball coming up right away here on a Wednesday. It'll be the Baltimore Orioles in New York to face the Mets. Matt Harvey against Taiwan Walker. And this one will go to first pitch in just about five minutes from now. New York is a big favorite. They've won six in a row, minus 175 on the money line with a total of seven and a half. Are you involved in this one? I am not. Exciting finish last night that got there for me with the Mets as uh, Mazika is now the best fielder's choice walk-off guy ever. <laughs> I think the last two game winners have been went about a combined 90 feet. It got Jonathan VR home and the Mets won 3-2 to two in the bottom of the ninth. They were behind most of the game, so a nice comeback for the Mets. You're seeing Taiwan Walker take some money, and I think rightfully so. If I were to play this game, I would maybe try to see if I can get a minus one. Some books have minus one lines where you don't have to lay necessarily the run and a half in terms of the run line. That'd be the way I was I would look because I think Matt Harvey has been better than people projected him to be this season, but he might have peaked in value at this standpoint. 3 and 2, 360 ERA, 460 on the XFIP. Walker 238 on the ERA, 395 on the XFIP. So he's going to get some regression at some point. I don't know if it's today because when you look at the Orioles, they're averaging 3.86 runs a game. That's fifth overall in major or fifth lowest in Major League Baseball, second lowest in the AL. Only the Tigers are worse. So that's why you're seeing this total now down to even seven, juice to the over at a couple shops out there. It's mostly seven and a half under minus 125 on the VIG. So I think that total is justifiably moving under. Getaway game really for both teams, that early getaway game day under. We kind of talked about it last week here when we had the White Sox and the Reds, if you remember. Yes. And it was a one nothing game in extra innings. So... You get those getaway day, day, day game unders uh, usually will come through. So the betters are certainly betting that. Lean to the Mets here, but at about $1.75, no play for me. I am in action and will be in action throughout the show on the Mets as well. And I can't remember the price I got. I don't think it was as high as 175 It opened in like the mid-160s last night. I, so I, that's about a fair price. I think it was 165 what I got or something like that. All right. 121 days from now, Thursday, September 9th, the NFL 2021 season will kick off, and it'll be the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, hosting Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys as week one of the schedule has come out this morning. Of course, a little later this evening on the NFL Network, they will release the full season schedule. Uh, we've got a Monday nighter here to open things up at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, there will be fans at that one that should be an electric atmosphere here but let's uh, start with that Thursday night game before we roll into the weekend schedule and of course that will be the Buccaneers hosting the Cowboys I heard it on uh, the radio, I believe, coming in that that was going to be the game uh, to open up the NFL season this year. And I was kind of just kind of thinking in my head what the line would be. And I felt they would probably make the line somewhere between four and a half and six and a half in favor of Tampa Bay. But I'll take the Cowboys. I really right. think this should be a three or three and a half point line. And you're seeing six and a half at BetMGM. There are some sixes elsewhere in the market. That would be what I would do. And, and if you, you can even buy a half a point, sometimes at six and a half, I like to buy to seven. I don't know if I would need to do that here. It's kind of that old ring and banner night. Sure. Uh, Fade game, the rings. Really, because uh, we 
we're going to see what capacity is going to be. We don't know where we're going to be, I don't think, in September, but we're starting to see more events come back. So if it's not full capacity, it's clearly going to be a lot more than it was last year. And I think Florida maybe has a chance based on what I'm seeing down there in terms of the events, the live events, you're seeing more full crowds down there. And yeah, that UFC, to, right? Right, yeah, full arena. You're starting to see some of the pro wrestling shows run at full capacity down there in the States. So I would guess Raymond James Stadium going to be relatively full for opening night there on September 9th. Nevertheless, I do like Dallas here getting the points, I think. This is a team that I don't think was as bad as their record indicated. They right. were, of course, without Dak Prescott most of the year. They were without two offensive line starters most of the year. And you really saw the production dip off. But with Dak back healthy and now with the new contract, with the offensive line healthy, he's got a lot of weapons there at receiver. I think Elliott and Pollard are going to have better years than they did last year where their yards per carry dropped off by about at least a yard for both of them because the offensive line wasn't there. And because because you have maybe an, you have an Andy Dalton back there instead of a Dak Prescott, so you can key to stop that running game. And I think the Dallas offense is going to be better. They clearly knew what they had to address in draft, which was defense. So they brought in some young defenders, namely Micah Parsons, in the first round to replace Sean Lee. So I would be on Dallas there. I think that maybe people kind of sleeping on them a little bit. And plus, obviously, Tampa Bay, the all the the hullabaloo and all of that and all the uh, the ballyhoo rather. You're going to see them having the celebration, hanging the banner there at the stadium. So when you get a team on the road, and you often see this in the NBA, you often see this in National Hockey League and other sports as well. These other teams that come in on the road are like, I wish that was us. <laughs> and that gives them that little bit of extra motivation before the game, or even some teams saying it should be us. Now, obviously, in this scenario, it shouldn't have been the Cowboys. They weren't anywhere close last year. But I think you're getting a motivated team with a really good offense that can score. So I will be on the Dallas Cowboys more than likely. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to bet it immediately, uh, but uh, I'm certainly right. going to take a look at it. That's and the thing. Like, you've got time, and obviously now that these lines are opening up, these, of course, are going to be lower limits right. than you're going to get as you get closer to the season, and obviously game week and game day and game night. So, you know, these numbers, like these books, basically, they kind of use this as an experiment a little bit because they'll put the these lines out so early and then by the time you get to week one they're kind of beaten into place right absolutely the market is going to take this one way or another I'd be with you I'd probably buy it up to seven at this point if I was going to go bet it right now I think you'll also probably be able to get a seven eventually I don't know if it'll stick there right. as far as the closing line or, or even the week of but I think eventually over the course of the summer you'll be able to get the seven because uh, I think the public is the public side is certainly going to be the Super Bowl champion. Mm -hmm. And there's also the thought that this team is returning all 22 starters from their championship mm -hmm. team. And I think that's going to, you know, kind of resonate with people. Oh, my gosh, you know, they're, they're just going to rinse, repeat and do it again. You know, and so, also keep in mind that with these lines out, your casual average Joe better is not betting these games in May. No, they're going to wait until the season because obviously we have a preseason to go. We have training camps for all these teams. So they're not going to be betting these until about the week of the game. And that's where you're going to see some Tampa Bay money. So let's say you like Dallas right now and you miss the number. 
you're probably going to have a big chance to get it back because I think the bets from the general public are going to come in on the defending champs. All right, let's take a look at uh, some of the games on Sunday. September 12th will be the opening Sunday week in the NFL. And at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, we have the Falcons hosting the Eagles. And the early line here is Atlanta minus three and a half. Um, I don't know if I'm real high on the Eagles this year. I'm certainly not real high on Atlanta either. Uh, but I don't like the hook on that line. Yeah. I, I can see Atlanta yeah. minus three. I'm not thrilled with three and a half. Yeah, this right now probably would be a pass for me. I think Philadelphia, they're the team I'm lowest on right now mm-hmm. in the NFC East. Uh, maybe Jalen Hurts. He showed some flashes last year. He could hit some deep balls. But with the rookie quarterback, you kind of saw what you got, which is one that's going to miss some easy throws. And I thought he really did in the last couple starts of the season. Now, he was able to make some big plays that they clearly weren't getting out of Carson Wentz at that time. And keep in mind that Philadelphia offensive line was in shambles basically the whole year. I don't even know if they had the same unit start more than two games in the season. Constant injuries and having to change guys around. So, yeah, that hook uh, a little bit much. Atlanta, we know, should have a very good offense. Of course, there's been the rumors of Julio Jones perhaps being traded. But if they bring him back, number one, they still have Calvin Ridley. They still have a good receiving core. They, of course, drafted Kyle Pitts. Mike Davis is going to be the running back. And and I, I think that the offense is going to be fine, presuming that offensive line stays healthy. But the defense is still a concern in Atlanta. These next two games, I would lean towards the favorite initially. I mean, this uh, schedule is not even an hour old, and I'm already forming opinions here. So we've got a long way to go. But uh, the Steelers at the Bills, and the Bills are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The Jets at the Panthers, and the Panthers are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I really have high expectations for the Panthers this year. I think they're going to be vastly improved. Mm-hmm. So my initial reaction there would be I'd lay the points uh, and the Bills. I, I still don't think the Steelers are going to be you know what we're used to out of this team from Pittsburgh. I think Ben continues to get older, obviously. I don't know how much they improved their team in the draft. I like Najee Harris, but what did you do for the offensive line? So I would probably lean uh, with the Bills under a touchdown and the Panthers minus four and a half. You know, it's really bad when we're when we're forming opinions this early, when we're looking <laughs> at, oh man, teaser game right here. Yeah, I know. And, and that's what it is. Uh, you know, you're not going to be teasing a game in May that's going to be played in September, but Buffalo Bills is a teaser to tease them down to basically a half point where they got to win the game. They did beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night football last year. They actually started out rough and then Ben yeah, Roethlisberger then torched him. That's when you really saw where Ben was having trouble in that Sunday night primetime game of throwing the ball down the field. Everything was like, okay, two, three steps and out four yard pass. And that's what Buffalo really turned Pittsburgh into in that game. So teaser opportunity. And obviously the jets and the Panthers, you got a rookie quarterback first game on the road against an improved team. I would lean with Carolina too. And then just kind of flipping down real quick because I want to tie that in. You have a rookie quarterback that is favored on the road I in saw week that. one in his first NFL start. That being the Jacksonville Jaguars laying one and a half to Houston. And 
How about that, huh? Teaser game two for Houston. I know Houston's going to be bad this year, but recall Jacksonville won one game last year. Mm -hmm. And where was that one game? It was week one. At home. Against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts laying eight. Jacksonville not only covers, but went out right. I was on the Jags that day. Yeah, as was I. And you look at the rookie quarterbacks in week one since 2010. 6-12-1. Only four of 19 were favored. The only one to win and cover was Carson Wentz. Mm. So... Odds are against Trevor Lawrence. I know there's a little bit more momentum and hype amongst Jacksonville and maybe some more optimism. Clearly, Houston right now, who knows what they're going to be, if Deshaun Watson's going to take the field, if he's going to be dealt, if his legal concerns don't kind of trip things up. So who knows what's going to happen down there in Houston. But a rookie quarterback laying points on the road. I don't know if I would take the Houston at one and a half, but that would certainly be a teaser game if Jacksonville ends up being a small favorite. Here's a good one, a rematch of a divisional round playoff game last year at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs will host the Cleveland Browns, and the Chiefs are laying five and a half. I would would immediately be on the Browns Mm -hmm. as my first reaction. Mm -hmm. And you're even seeing some sixes out there. It's five and a half at BetMGM, of course. We all know what happened when Mahomes got hurt. Chad Henney had to come in the game. Andy Reid puts the ball in his backup veteran quarterback's hands, and he runs and gets that first down. Cleveland had their chances, though, in that AFC championship game, or that AFC, excuse me, semifinal game because Buffalo was the championship game. But Cleveland had their chances, couldn't get it done. But I think that we saw that the Browns kind of really finally stepped up when everybody really loved them two years ago. And then it's like, okay, slow down. Maybe you're a little bit early on this team. They need to mature. Of course, since they had fired Freddie Kitchens. They bought in Kevin Stefanski, who I thought did a really good job with that team. I mean, he kind of exposed himself in a couple of those playoff games as a guy that's never been a head coach before with some of the decisions. But at, at six right now, I would be on the Browns, too. I think the Browns are the real sleeper in the AFC this year. Well, and it's fade the Super Bowl loser for me yes. as well. Let's, let's not get too aggressive with the Chiefs because they're the Chiefs and all of a sudden favor them by a touchdown over a very good playoff Cleveland Browns team last year. All right, let's uh, head here at home to Allegiant Stadium where the Las Vegas Raiders really kind of make their debut. It's almost like this is really Mm -hmm. their inaugural season where fans will be in the building for a Monday nighter and a home dog on Monday night. The Raiders have been famous for that role and covering those numbers over their history, long history uh, in Los Angeles and Oakland. The Baltimore Ravens and John Harbaugh coming to town. And I'm seeing five and a half at BetMGM, but I've heard that this uh, number is as high as seven and a half in some books. Right. And and look, uh, it's obviously a different situation from last year, but that first early season Monday night game against New Orleans, if you remember, no spectators, but obviously the first home game in prime time. And the Raiders got that field goal from Daniel Carlson, won the game outright and also covered. So you, the lean maybe would be there, but this is a different scenario because now you're going to have fans at Allegiant Stadium. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already have casinos here in Las Vegas that are now operating at 100% capacity, including a couple on the Strip. So you got to think we're going to have darn near at least a full Allegiant Stadium for week one. 
but this is going to be different now because now it's not really your first year, but as you mentioned, Brady, it is your first year. Yeah. Really in town with spectators, with actual fans in the stands, with actual ticket-buying public able to go in the game. And all of a sudden, that's a different kind of pressure. When you're looking at those empty stands, it's like, okay, this is totally different. But now when you got full stands, you want to make that good first impression in terms of really being in a new market. So it's a different little nut to crack for the Raiders this year. Initial lean would be to them at home, but I'm not ready to get involved just yet. Obviously, Baltimore. The question is, is Lamar Jackson going to finally take that leap and really develop that passing game? We know that he can run. We've seen him make big throws, but sometimes it seems like he's not a threat to pass where he's going to short arm some throws. So he's got to improve that, I think, going forward. Baltimore has a talented roster and a very good defense per usual. The one thing that jumped out to me, Wes, uh, the NFL has not listened to you and I. There's only four games in the afternoon. We'll mm-hmm. be here for the green zone covering four games. <laughs> the more things than change, the, the more they stay the same. (laughs) All right. We've got another baseball game coming up uh, just about 10 minutes from now. We'll cover that on the other side right here on the Lombardi line. and baseball games every week. It's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Baseball underway and baseball getting underway in less than 10 minutes from now. Game two for your Wednesday on the Major League Baseball card, and that will be the Cincinnati Reds facing the Pittsburgh Pirates at PNC Park. Sonny Gray versus Trevor Cahill. Rubber match here today after the Pirates got the win 7-2 on Tuesday. And Wes Gray has really pitched pretty darn well, but not much to show for it this year at 0-2 on the record. He and the Red Legs, a road favorite of minus 175 with a total of 7. And the Reds have seen action here. Sonny Gray, as you mentioned, has pitched very well this year. 296 on the XFIP, which is outstanding. About a run better than his ERA. And Trevor Cahill, even though the ERA went down with the better outing last time, still 675 on the ERA and 356 on the XFIP. So maybe a little bit of room for positive regression, but the numbers really have not been good here. Nevertheless, what you're seeing, I also mentioned the Reds action. You're seeing under action on this game. This was seven and a half in the overnights. Now seeing some sevens out there in the market, including here at BetMGM, seven to the over minus a dollar twenty. I don't necessarily disagree with that under move here. This is the getaway game, not necessarily for Pittsburgh because they'll stay at PNC Park and have the Giants starting a three uh, set tomorrow. Reds will have to go on the road. They will go out to Colorado. So when you get those teams, especially when you get both teams, but when you at least get a team that's going to travel that last game and it's a 
an early day game like this is here, 1235 first pitch in Pittsburgh, that's when you're going to see the under more often time get some movement. And I don't necessarily disagree with it here. And getting underway in about an hour from now, it'll be the Chicago Cubs in Cleveland where the Indians are looking to pull off the sweep. Cubs now four and a half games back in the NL Central and the Tribe just a game back of the White Sox in the American League Central. Zach Davies versus Sam Henkes in this one. Cleveland was a slight favorite. Now they've seen some money all the way up to minus 135 now here at BetMGM with a total of eight and a half. Getaway game for both teams. Same principle, same song, different verse here. This was nine in the opener. Now you're seeing eight and a half basically market-wide, uh, including here at BetMGM, eight and a half to the under minus a dollar twenty-five. Two teams that have not been great hitting, especially the Indians. We saw that last night. It was a pitcher's duel between Alzale and Bieber. Bieber gets the win for the Cleveland Indians. So you saw a couple early runs, and then the thing kind of died because these two teams have struggled a little bit at the plate, and that's why you're seeing that. Sam Henkes, though, getting some movement here. I believe this is his first start because I have seen him a few times on the screen here as he's going to be a starter, and then eventually they make a change in Cleveland. So he has seen action this year in terms of out of the bullpens, the middle relief appearances. He is a, a lefty, so... We haven't seen a lot of him starting this probably uh, you would think is going to be an opener type of deal because Shane Bieber was able to extend his start last night in Cleveland. So that's probably what you're going to get. It's lost the value, though, at nine when it undergoes from like nine to eight and a half. I don't want to chase it necessarily with eight and a half and get caught losing a key number. But I don't disagree with the movement. The Padres at the Rockies, 12-10 Pacific, 3-10 Eastern. It'll be game one of a doubleheader today at Coors Field. The Padres took the series opener on Tuesday, 8-1. to one. Round two will be Hugh Darvish versus John Gray and San Diego, the favorite here, minus 150. And, of course, this is a doubleheader total of seven. Mm-hmm. And, and you're still seeing, even though with that principle, the over getting bet here, a six and a half it was the opener. It went to seven, juice the under minus 125. Reminder, I always say seven and nine are really the key numbers on baseball totals, especially the odd numbers. So. Doesn't that seem, you know, we've seen the doubleheader totals, basically six and a half or seven. Mm-hmm. Yet we're at Coors Field right. and it's seven. That seems kind of low. And you have two XFIPs higher than ERAs here. You uh, Darvish, 227, 354 on the X. John Gray, 312 on the ERA, 384 on the XFIP. So I can kind of see the movement toward the over here, and then the Padres are getting the money. I think 155 is a little big, though, from what I'm seeing on Darvish. Small lean to the Rockies, but I think I might be on the over here. All right, the hockey playoffs begin this weekend. I can't wait. We're going to talk some hockey with our man Andy McNeil in the next segment. Break down the Central Division and the West Division. We talked about the North and the East on the Tuesday show. We'll get Andy's opinion next when we return right here on the Lombardi Line.
Did you know vcin.com has the latest lines and odds for every game on the board? Track the line movements with live charts, get estimated scores for every matchup, and all the betting information you need to stay on top of the action. Of course, Wes Reynolds just mentioned Sam Henkes and the Indians. The move in that game from minus 115, they are now a minus 135 favorite. You can also use our parlay calculator to figure out the payouts, get all of our betting 101 information, including definitions of the betting terms we use right here on the Sports Betting Network. Start your day with sports betting research for free at vcin.com. Andy McNeil now joins the Lombardi line here, our hockey expert. You can find his written work in our online digital publication, Point Spread Weekly, which just hit your inbox not too long ago. Andy, good morning to you. And I want to talk about our very own Vegas Knights, and they're in a pretty meaningful game this evening. They lead the West Division by two points over Colorado. They have one game left. Colorado has two games left. If both teams win out, Colorado will win the division and will get the President's Trophy. And the President's Trophy is very important this year because when they do the reshuffling of the seating, when we get down to the final four teams in the playoffs, whoever has the most points is going to be the top seed. So these games are important for both Vegas and Colorado. They're both big favorites tonight. And I tell you what, I imagine those San Jose Sharks wouldn't mind uh, spoiling the party for Vegas tonight. Yeah, for sure. They're, 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 they're both big favorites, and, and rightfully so. Uh, one thing that is working in the, the Golden Knights' favor here tonight is the fact that uh, Nathan McKinnon won't be suiting up for the Avalanche, which, which uh, obviously is a, a big blow to their chances. Um, but, but being so busy with the playoffs uh, and, and everything and trying to get set up with no, with no real break, I haven't had time to uh, analyze that Western Division slash uh, presidential, uh, President's Trophy uh, race uh, from a from a betting perspective, uh, these last couple of days, I've got some Avalanche futures uh, plus two twenty five. Um, so I mean, that's where my heart is. Uh, I'm rooting for those. And Andy, that's plus two twenty five to win the the division, yes, or to win the the division. Yeah, the the Western Division. Yeah. Well, I would say they're in the driver's seat because they've got two games, and of course, uh, let's see who are who are they playing tonight? They're a, they're a big favorite. Back to back against the Kings. I don't know mm, if it's on yeah. consecutive days here, but it's uh, it's two games left against the Kings. And like you said, they 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 hold their own fate in in their hands. The the, the Golden Knights are uh, are uh, out of luck. Andy, uh, looking at your column here in Point Spread Weekly that just re- reached the inbox for the subscribers about an hour ago, you really focus on the Central Division here, and it looks like what we're going to get, Nashville, the four seed against Carolina, the one seed, and then Tampa Bay and Florida, the Sunshine State battle, Tampa Bay right now in the three, Florida in the two seed, and looking at your column here, you kind of seem to favor the Carolina Hurricanes, the one seed in their series, and then Tampa Bay over Florida. Florida this year. Florida has really been, it's really been, I don't know if it's an anomaly or if it's luck or what it is, but in when they go to the extra period in overtime, I think I, I watched the game with them last week. They were undefeated. They got another win over the Dallas Stars. This was last week when I watched that game. They seem to get it done in the extra period, but obviously that's a four-on-four situation. Now you go back three to three. normal situations here where obviously it's last goal wins, so if you go three or four overtime, so be it. How much does that change your handicap when you kind of look at this particular matchup between Tampa Bay and Florida. Well, well, that specifically doesn't factor in a whole lot here. That's a three-on-three situation that won't be seen in the playoffs. Um, so, uh, you know, in the, the the overtime, and like you said, in the playoffs is a, a totally different beast, uh, more of a, um, uh, a marathon than a sprint uh, and an endurance uh, 
activity, I guess. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers, I think this series is interesting uh, for a lot of reasons. I think of all the teams in the playoffs, the Tampa Bay Lightning have maybe the biggest range of possibilities because they haven't really been themselves lately. They haven't been good. And specifically, they haven't been good against the Florida Panthers this year. The Panthers have held, uh, you know, a, a pretty significant territorial edge uh, in terms of, you know, generating more shots uh, than for and against uh, and then the, the Tampa Bay Lightning do. Um, and, and, you know, they, they've, they've had a winning record against the team. But with that being said, uh, this is a, a whole different look here, uh, a look that no team has seen this season with Nikita Kucherov uh, not playing a game in the regular season and Stamkos missing a significant portion of time. Um, so obviously, you know, there's an elite team deep down here with this uh, Tampa Bay Lightning group. Um, but it's it's all comes down to whether or not they can kind of hit the ground running. Sure, they're capable. Um, but it's tough to do in this sport. And and then there's the question of Victor Hedman. He he hasn't really been good this year. I know he's produced, but, uh, you know, looking at his defensive impacts, they've, they've practically been cut in half um, in, in that regard. And, and um, you know, he, he doesn't look to be healthy. I think he, he must be nursing an injury since uh, he, he really dropped off and he's missed a couple of games. So, you know, what kind of player, what kind of impact is he going to have? I think, you know, this series uh, – maybe more than any other is one that, that people are really going to want to pay attention to what type of performance the, the Lightning put forth in game one. Uh, and, and that'll really influence uh, my price going forward. It's a very fluid situation, in my opinion. Andy, we do have some action tonight on the ice between the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. Now, they will not meet initially in the Western Division playoffs, but possibly could a little later on. You have the Wild favored on the road here tonight. Are you doing anything with any of the games tonight, or are you just really looking forward towards the playoffs? Well, I'm personally looking forward towards the playoffs, um, and if a betting opportunity presents itself, uh, I'll, I'll take it. But um, it's—I think I mentioned it yesterday. This is a real, um, you know, struggle uh, at this time of year. You've got to sit in front of the screen all hours of the day. You've got to. Uh, um, be up to date on all the information because it's a race to those uh, those short prices. Maybe if, if lots of uh, regular players are sitting, um, and, and as of right now, um, practices a lot of practices were just getting started and whatnot. So I'm not uh, too keen on, on betting anything at this point. Andy, I know you are really high on the Boston Bruins, and we have a uh, prop bet up here from our friends at BetMGM on which division will produce the Stanley Cup champion. The West is the favorite. Of course, you've got Colorado and Vegas there at plus 175. The Central was the second choice at about plus 265. Then you've got the East, where the Bees reside, at better than 3-1. to one. W- Would you look towards that? Is that a bet you would think about making? I, I, I can't, uh, you know give you uh, an honest opinion on that. I haven't priced this market. Um, I would suspect that the people pricing it are, are, are pretty smart themselves. And so, so uh, I'm going to say hold pad on this one and, and, and uh, until I can have a deeper look at it. Now up there in your neck of the woods, the great North is the, is Canada going to get a Stanley cup champion this year? Well, if they do, it'll likely be the, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, it, it's uh it's uh, looking pretty uh, optimistic for the Leafs with the Canadians matchup that they've dominated all season long. All right, my friend. Well, we'll talk some hockey here down the road. Probably the next time we do, we will be into the playoffs. Thanks very much, Andy. Take care.
All right, that is Andy McNeil talking a little hockey. We will be back with more here on the Lombardi Line. Stick with us on VEASAN, the sports betting network. may not get style points for home runs, but baseball bettors do. New BetMGM customers can turn $1 into $100 when someone goes yard during the game. Sign up for the BetMGM app using the code VSIN100, and if you place a $1 Moneyline wager on the Dodgers or the Mariners, you'll get $100 if either team hits a home run. It's a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia or West Virginia only. It excludes Michigan dissociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana and in Tennessee. 800-889-9789. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you inside the Lombardi line. And the final tune-up before golf's second major of the season will be this week in McKinney, Texas. It'll be the Byron Nelson about 30 minutes north out of Dallas at TPC Craig Ranch. And we have not seen this course on the PGA Tour making its debut on the Big Boy Tour, but it has appeared on the Corn Ferry Tour and in days past on the Nationwide and the Web.com Tour. But a pretty tough handicap this week, Wes. You've got a pretty good field at the top, a few stars at the top, not a stellar field otherwise, but those stars are at the top. World number three and world number four are your favorites. Bryson DeChambeau and John Rahm, both in the neighborhood of eight or nine to one. And uh, we talked about this on Long Shots last night with our guest Colt Canost, a former PGA Tour player who played in the Dallas area, resided in the Dallas area for a long time. And he did mention that this course got hit with some rain, a couple inches of rain here in the last day or so. So probably going to see a softer golf course. So it's maybe going to put more of a premium, you would think, on strokes gained approach because then they know that they can just fire at flags with these soft greens. So I think uh, that might be what you're going to see here. I think the scores are going to be lower maybe than we anticipated. Now, keep in mind, this is the first time it's at TPC Craig Ranch. It had been at Trinity Forest the couple years before, back in 2018-2019. 261-23 under par was the winning score. I don't know if we get quite to the 20s, but probably the high teens. I was expecting mid-teens, 14 to 16 under, maybe to be the winner. You may get close to 20 here with these uh, soft conditions really. And uh, you look what I looked at this week is obviously kind of what we normally look at. We usually have approach every week. I also looked at strokes gained off the tee. Obviously, when you're looking at approach, at least over the course of the last 24 rounds, so basically the last two to three months, that's kind of what I look at. I don't want to have misleading numbers and see, okay, is a guy hitting the ball really good six months ago? I want to see what he's doing right now. So you look at approach. Jordan Spieth, obviously, tops of the tops in approach. This is a longer course. Spieth's going to be in the featured group, of course, a Dallas resident. He was up there 
Tom Hoagie, Doug Gim, Tom Hoagie, who, by the way, just got in the PGA because Matthew yes. Wolf withdrew with an injury. So Hoagie now in the PGA. So maybe I, I can tell you I did not play him, but maybe that's a guy down the board you might want to look at because it's like, oh, man, I'm in the PGA. I'm excited. Now I can just go and play golf and just have a little fun here. And so you look at the approach guys, Spieth, Hoag, Doug Gim, Will Zalatoris, Taylor Gooch, John Rahm. Those are the top six over the last 24 rounds. If you go to the off the tee game, Bryson DeChambeau, always number one in that category. Sergio Garcia, Johnny Vegas, Keith Mitchell, and of course, John Rahm. So that's why you see those three guys as the favorites because of the numbers. John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, Jordan Spieth. Shortest guy I played actually was Daniel Berger. I got him at 17 to one. That's about kind of the range where he is right now. Danny Berger, other than John Rahm, the tournament favorite, was the only guy to rank in the top 10 for both off the tee and approach over the last 24 rounds. So Daniel Berger, last time he was in the Metroplex, uh, won the Colonial mm-hmm. at uh, Colonial Country Club or the Charles Schwab Challenge, rather, in Fort Worth in the other half of the Metroplex. So maybe he'll enjoy the return here. Will Zalatoris, he is going to be in that featured Dallas resident or Dallas area resident group with Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth the first two rounds. Of course, uh, Scheffler and Zalatoris are kind of the interlopers. They're not the native Texans like Jordan Spieth is, but they all live in Dallas. I did like Zalatoris. I know he missed the cut. I think he had made of over a dozen cuts in a row, so he broke that streak. So, like some people liking John Rahm, after he had missed the cut after 22 straight made cuts, maybe that that's going to be a rebound this week. But I didn't necessarily go right at the top of the board. I understand people that do, because if you look at the numbers and you're a numbers-based golf handicapper, John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau, about as good as you get on these numbers here. Yeah, and I did go there. I ate the chalk this week, and I got both of them at pretty good numbers uh, at 10 to 1 rather than the current pricing in the neighborhood of 6, 7, or 8, or 9 to 1. Uh, and, and I uh, would take the over on your uh, winning score there. I, West think these guys are going to just eat this course for lunch. Could be. I, I really think you're going to get about 26 under or higher, possibly, to win this tournament. Now, you know, if it's a five-day event, you you probably get to 30 or something like that. But I, I really think you mentioned 23 under at, Trin- at Trinity Forest. Uh, I, I would take that at a minimum. I, I think we're headed for uh, some really low scoring here because you've got really wide fairways, no uh, penal rough to speak of, big greens, and, and basically perfect conditions. You mentioned the rain. That softens things up a little bit. You've got a zoysia grass uh, surface in the fairways, which really makes that ball sit up. These guys are just going to pick it right off the floor, fire right at these flags, and then you've got perfectly flat bent grass green. So I think this really could turn into a putting contest. And who would I rather have in my pocket than the best guys in the field off the tee, probably the best players in the world in the field in John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau. And then I've also got Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's certainly one of the best putters in the field and has been in great form. So I went with those three guys and then Scotty Scheffler as well, because I like the local angle. You and I talk about it a mm-hmm. lot. Sometimes a home game is not a great thing. We won't have a ton of fans here, but Scotty's been playing this course literally since he was 12 years old, and he too, like DeChambeau and Rom, is one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the game. So his familiarity, uh, familiarity with the golf course and uh, the way he's playing right now, those were my four. My one long shot was another University of Texas alum in Doug Gim. Who I also played. There you go. Who does have the uh, the short game and also the approach numbers, not 
not as big off the tee as the other guys, but a lot of experience at this golf course, not only going to college in the area, uh, but also has played here a few times uh, in the minor league tours, if you will, the Corn Ferries and the Web.coms of the world. Brady, I often forget the PGA Tours tagline of these guys are good. So (laughs) usually I am always off in terms of what the winning score is going to be because I always think it's going to be a little bit closer to the par. And then these guys go ahead and torch a course. And I forget you get a soft course with the equipment and the way that these guys are now hitting the lawn ball, especially. I mean, you see so many like 22 and 23 year olds that just bomb the ball. I think our guest Will Hill mentioned yesterday a real lawn shot that actually made a lot of sense here was Will Gordon because he's so good off the tee. These kids come right out of college or right out of the amateur ranks and just murder the ball off the tee. So I tend to underestimate that. But going through the rest of my card, a couple of those shorter guys with Berger and Zalatoris, but a lot of guys in that 70 to 100 to 1 range I like this week. Charles Schwartzel, South African player, likes the bent grass. That's where they grow up on over there is playing on the bent grass kind of regaining some form a little bit here. Remember that he had that wrist injury in 2019, kind of really fell off the grid. But last week in Charlotte, where he finished 14th, he was fourth in approach, third in tee to green. Charles Schwartzel, Matt Kuchar is a guy that usually plays very well the week before a major. Plays well Uh, in Texas, too. Yes, he does. He's already got a third at the Dell match play in Austin. He's already got a 12th at the Valero. Probably should have actually been a better finish there in San Antonio the week before the Masters. Thomas Peter maybe a little rusty because he's only played once in the last six weeks, but he's got five straight global finishes of 15th or better really all season long. I think every tournament this season, he's been in the top 15 or better. Big hitter. Yeah, really big hitter. Of course, uh, you remember him on the Ryder Cup team several years ago at Hazeltine with that pairing with Rory McIlroy where the European team took a licking there, but they were the only duo that really couldn't be beat that year. So Thomas Peters, Doug Gim, for the reasons you've already mentioned, Grant Snedeker, another old veteran, like Matt Kuchar, seemed to find something. He was six in San Antonio. Well, you like him in a putting contest, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Finished in the top 11, three of the last four starts. He was fourth with Keith Mitchell in that team event down at the Zurich Classic in New Orleans. And then Johnny Vegas. I don't like him in a putting contest, <laughs> but I do like him when you're in a gripping and ripping and off the tee yeah. as he's one of the best out there. He led the uh, field at Quail Hollow last week for strokes gained off the tee third in this week's field just behind Bryson. So if you're kind of up there in that stat with Bryson, that means you're bombing it off the tee. The short game is obviously bad, but this might be one because like Colt Canos mentioned when we were previewing the course here, the new layout at TPC Craig Ranch, very wide and forgiving fairways. You're not going to get in a lot of trouble here missing fairways. So this is basically grip it and rip it, put it in position and be good on approach. And then it turns into a putting contest. So this course, I don't think is going to give these guys very much problem. I think the rain is obviously going to make it much easier. They better enjoy it and eat it up uh, as much as they can, because next week uh, it's going to bite back. Yeah, real when you hard. get about 7,800 yards from the tips, I don't know. I mean, they could shorten it or shorten it on various days. But looking at that PGA Tour app, I believe it said 7,876 yards for Kiwa, which would be the longest in major championship history. Now, if you want some chaos and some tumult on that leaderboard, hope the wind blows and it doesn't turn into a U.S. Open situation at Aaron Hills when everybody's like, oh, this is the longest course in history. And you had like seven guys, 10 under par or better at a U.S. Open, which should never happen. So uh, hopefully the wind blows at Kiwa. 
Kiwa Island on this long course? Make it a little more difficult for these well, guys. Well, obviously it is a seaside location, so I think just inherently you're always going to have a little bit of a breeze. I did look at the forecast, and it looks like anywhere from 10 to 15 miles an hour. For is the what first couple rounds, and then the weekend, I think maybe it kind of tapers off a little bit from what I've seen. Yeah, so, I mean, 15 miles an hour, that that will certainly affect these guys. 10 miles an hour, not so much. So hopefully we get something in the neighborhood of that 12 to 15 miles an hour for a steady week-long tournament. That'll certainly uh, figure into the mix if it blows like that. And uh, then you've got uh, just the beauty of this golf course as well to look at aesthetically. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll come back and we'll talk some NBA, the Wednesday card in the association when we return right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 